From the newsroom high atop One Ox Valley, this is The Pod Couple. I'm J.D. Mullane, columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times. And I'm Phil John Ficaro, columnist for The Intelligencer. Our headline today, debacle in Afghanistan. President Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan has led to that country's quick fall to the Taliban. This is something that President Biden has said he was going to do. He campaigned on this for years now. He suggested that it was time for American troops to come home, uh, that it was time to leave Afghanistan. There shouldn't be a permanent presence there. That said, certainly the events got the better of them in recent days. Officials have told us they did not expect things to deteriorate so quickly. Um, but at least for now, the Biden White House is not looking to change course. There's no, no plan here uh, to keep a permanent presence there. The forces they've sent in the last couple of days are simply to get Americans out. The embassy is closed. The U.S. flag is down. Uh, American personnel is at the airport right now in Kabul being fortified by the U.S. military. But that is the scene of some really heartbreaking images today of Afghan citizens, some of whom were translators or others who helped American forces uh, in their home country, others just civilians trying to escape the Taliban who are thronging airplanes, trying to get on flights, even like clinging to the landing gear of U.S. military aircraft as they take off, leaving some really tough images, uh, including some people falling uh, from hundreds of feet in the sky. That was the AP's White House correspondent, John Lehmeyer. As the Taliban arrived in Kabul on Sunday, the heartbreaking pictures came. The American embassy flag lowered, smoke uh, from the building as diplomats burned documents, Afghani allies running after a C-17 aircraft desperate to escape. All are evocative of the American military pullout from Saigon, South Vietnam in 1975, a humiliating end to another long war. We went to Afghanistan 20 years ago to find and kill anyone connected to the 9-11 attacks. And we accomplished that mission in 2002, but never left. And here we are. Why? Here to give us his thoughts on that and other questions about Afghanistan today is Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick of the 1st District here in Bucks County. Congressman, welcome. Thanks for having me. First, Brian, uh, do you know if any uh, Bucks Countyans are stranded in Afghanistan? And if so, what is their fate? Yeah, we have not yet heard. We put an alert out yesterday uh, for anybody who has loved ones in the area to contact our office immediately. Uh, last update I've I've gotten, we have not heard from anybody, um, uh, which is a good thing. But if there is anybody out there who's watching this who has a loved one, whether they be a U.S. citizen or uh, one of our Afghan allies, please reach out to us. Uh, I'm on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, we oversee the State Department. The State Department is squarely responsible for getting our people back home safely. Congressman, how did this all go wrong? <clears throat> Well, uh, that's a a long answer to a complex question that um, we will have the final answer to once our intelligence committee that I sit on uh, does a full 360 degree review. Um, By the way, this needs to occur after we get home, everyone home safely. That's got to be our laser focus right now. Um, And when we do uh, an after action report on this, uh, we need to follow the facts wherever they lead, uh, report those facts with unimpeachable integrity, leave no stone unturned. Uh, go through all administrations um, and all decision points and find out how we got here because it's it's horrifically bad. And, and I've been using 
um, you know, some pretty uh, strong terms about how I feel the, the impact of this is going to be. And I wish I didn't feel that way, but um, I got to tell you, it's a bad, bad situation all the way around, not just in the short term, but in the long term. Uh, and we can go down each of those, um, each of those uh, buckets uh, one by one, if you'd like. Well, uh, we have some video uh, of the president on Monday defending his decision to withdraw. So here he is Monday afternoon. Our military mission in Afghanistan will conclude on August 31st. The drawdown is proceeding in a secure and orderly way, prioritizing the safety of our troops as they depart. As I said in April, the United States did what we went to do in Afghanistan to get the terrorists to attack us on 9-11 and deliver justice to Osama bin Laden <clears throat> and to degrade the terrorist threat to keep Afghanistan from becoming a base from which attacks could be continued against the United States. We achieved those objectives. That's why we went. We did not go to Afghanistan to nation build. And it's the right and the responsibility of Afghan people alone to decide their future and how they want to run their country. Well, I apologize for that. That was actually Joe Biden on the president, Joe Biden, on July 8th. But, but Brian, it's interesting. He said we did not go to Afghanistan to nation build. As I recall, the original mission 20 years ago was to find and kill anyone connected to the planning of 9-11. We accomplished that before the end of 2002, and uh, we're still there. We began to nation build under uh, Bush, Cheney, and Rumsfeld. Do you know why? Why did we start to do this, this uh, you know, foreign misadventure of trying to impose <coughs> Western-style democracy uh, on Afghanistan? Yeah, so that's going to be a question for the people that made that decision. What, one of the things, just to unpack some of the comments that the president made there, uh, our goals were twofold. Number one, uh, find, capture, and or kill the people that were responsible for 9-11, everybody responsible for 9-11. And number two is deny a similar safe haven for al-Qaeda going forward so we're not in the same defensive posture we were pre-9-11. Uh, part A has been accomplished. Part B has not been accomplished. It is not. Uh, Al-Qaeda now has a stronger safe haven than they had before 9-11. Before 9-11, the Taliban did not control the entirety uh, of the country of Afghanistan. Now they will. Uh, before 9-11, uh, the uh, Al-Qaeda fighters did not have access to 21st century equipment, Kevlar body uh, shields, uh, uh, American ammunition, American weapons, helicopters, uh, a multi-million dollar state-of-the-art embassy with Wi-Fi and 5G uh, connectivity. They have that now, and they and they have that at a time when our southern border is weaker than it's it's been at least uh, in, in in my time in Congress and going back decades. Um, so all that's a problem. Uh, moreover, it's occurring at a time when the Communist Party of China is on the rise, when Iran is racing towards a nuclear weapon. We have a lot of threats right now, and we've just created a brand new one. Um, not that the terror threat had gone away, but it was reasonably under wraps uh, to the point where we could have things like TSA pre-check. We could have things like global entry. We could uh, continue the visa waiver program in Europe. All those things need to be relooked at now um, because our our, our our security posture vis-a-vis -vis our counterterrorism threat uh, has completely changed in the past few days. Congressman, when, when former President Trump signed the peace deal back in February of 2020, <clears throat> 
he said he expected the Taliban would act responsibly, claiming they were, quote, tired of war. Did he misread them? Well, the Taliban is not tired of war, believe me. Uh, the Taliban, and this is one thing that should have been clear to everybody all along, uh, this is a motivated bunch. Uh, they believe in a, a global religious caliphate, and they want to uh, uh, destroy anything that gets in, in their way. Uh, and that includes the United States and includes Israel uh, and includes our European allies. Uh, so th these are not people that are going to lay down their arms ever. Uh, they are, are proceeding on a, re a religious mission. Uh, and they will stop at nothing until they try to accomplish that. So that's it's important that we realize that. So, you know, the the Doha meetings and the agreement that Phil will be all unpacked, fully transparent uh, in our intelligence committee hearings that we can unclassify. Obviously, uh, that's one of the questions that I will be asking for sure. We want to know everything that happened and everybody that was part of decisions that led to this catastrophe that we find ourselves in right now. Uh, on Monday, the president addressed the nation. We have video of that. Here he is defending uh, his decision to withdraw. So let me ask those who want us to stay. How many more, how many thousands more Americans, daughters and sons are you willing to risk? How long would you have them stay? Already we have members of our military whose parents fought in Afghanistan 20 years ago. Would you send their children and their grandchildren as well? Would you send your own son or daughter? Well, Brian, he's there defending by, by I guess, appealing to uh, sentiment, emotion uh, for the people who are saying we need to stay there. But does he have a point? I mean, we've been there for 20 years. He, he made that uh, point about, uh, you know, you have sons and daughters of people who fought there 20 years ago now. So does he have a point? Should we stay there? Well, if you recall uh, of uh, one of the many documents that were recovered, uh, from al-Qaeda and from bin Laden, um, he uh, what he preached, one of the things he preached was that for if you want to defeat America, wait them out, because he uh, believed that they don't, uh, the, the America, America as a nation doesn't have staying powers, he uh, said, uh, and has he uh, told his, uh, his fighters to try to motivate them. Um, I believe that when the president is, is speaking there, he's offering a false binary choice. The choice isn't just have, you know, 100,000 ground troops engaged in a, in a messy civil war or a complete abandonment in the incredibly messy fashion and incredibly dangerous fashion that we've all witnessed over the past 72 hours. Um, uh, J.D., we ha we've had presence, a, a military presence, a very small limited footprint for security and stability reasons in Japan, in South Korea, in Germany, uh, parts of South America uh, and many other parts of the world. Um, there is an, a third way, a third option to keep a very, very small, limited uh, special operator, uh, special ops, counterterrorism focused uh, support logistical um, setup where the Afghans, uh, the Afghan army continues to do what they've done for the past several decades with, you know, unmanned, unmanned drone support from the United States. We have air, uh, control of an air base that we can use for security purposes with regard to Pakistan you know, potentially, um, you know, just to, to stabilize the threat of China in that region. Um, and a lot of people forget, J.D. and Phil, uh, Operation Neptune Spear, which uh, led to the uh, killing of Osama bin Laden, was launched from Jalalabad Airport, uh, an airport that I uh, went to to visit our troops. Uh, high tech, highly advanced uh, facility that is now completely under the control of the Taliban. So now we don't have an air base anywhere in that region to conduct uh, the blinkless eye drones, as they call them, 
which are a huge um, uh, source of intelligence uh, for our, uh, our military uh, in that region. So now they're going to have to run these similar drone operations from the Gulf states, whether it be Kuwait or Jordan, uh, which is incredibly far uh, from where they're going to need to pursue over uh, the targeted areas of Pakistan and Afghanistan, both for surveillance purposes and kinetic uh, targeted kinetic strike to um, um, uh, terrorist target purposes. And uh, according to the briefings we're getting, uh, Phil, and we've been hearing this for, for a while now, that if they had a launch from there between the time it took to get there and get back, about 60 to 70 percent of the uh, of the energy source of the drone would be expired just in the trip up and back alone, which leads very, very limited time over the target. Um, it's just one of many, many challenges we're going to have to face now in the intelligence community to try to keep America safe from having to deal with a second terror attack. Right, because we don't have people on the ground, I guess. I, I would hope, but I don't think we have people on the ground now. Well, that's, that's the other downside. Warning. That's the other downside. So not having our people on the ground, they can't be recruiting the sources that are nestled inside these tribes and inside these villages that are giving us information on growing, forming conspiracies of terror attacks. Yeah, it it's, might be it's, a good, you know, it might be a good time to tighten that southern border, I think, you know, because Congressman, they're pouring in over there. I'm know, sorry, Jimmy. Into the country. Congressman, how concerning is it that um, there are many people who want to get out of that country who are nowhere near that airstrip right now? It's a huge problem, Bill, and that's got to be our 100% focus right now is uh, getting everybody back, our American uh, citizens and our Afghan allies who have been in this fight with us for decades now. Um, so that's been really our, our main focus. You know, we're putting it as, as, as frequently as we can. Uh, letting everybody in the community know, and I'm, I want to use the, this podcast as another opportunity to do that. If you know anybody, family, friends, loved ones, whether they be uh, American citizens or Afghani nationals, uh, that we can help, please let us know. Uh, and we will do that because that is the biggest imminent threat at this moment. Uh, the Taliban is completely surrounded in a ring-like fashion. Uh, Kabul airport, uh, there are tens of thousands of people that are outside of that ring uh, that are in severe uh, jeopardy right now. You know, uh Brian, when I see the pictures from Kabul over the last few days, I think of the families of the young men and women who gave their lives uh, fighting in Afghanistan since 2001. So what do we say to them? I mean, should they be angry? We should be thanking them for the service that uh, they and their families have given our nation to keep us safe from a terror attack for the past 20 years, because without their sacrifice, we would not have been safe for 20 years. So that's the first message. Second is that we will continue to honor and respect and love their service and always have their back. Uh, that's the message that we should be sending to all of our amazing veterans, including the veterans uh, that have done tremendous work uh, in Afghanistan to give young women an opportunity at education and freedom. And uh, on that note, um, JD, uh, put yourself in, in the shoes of an 18 year old Afghani girl who was not alive during 9-11, who doesn't know what it's like to live under Taliban rule, <clears throat> whose life is gonna markably change uh, in the in the weeks and years to come. Uh, it breaks my heart to think of that situation. You know, Brian, from what I read in the New York Times and columns uh, written by uh, military experts, um, we Americans were just as we were during Vietnam, apparently hoodwinked by a succession of military generals who did not level with us about the ability of local military forces to fight and hold their own country in Afghanistan. Given the speed of the takeover of, of Afghanistan, these generals had to know that the, their claim that they had 300,000 American trained 
members of the Afghan military was really just on paper and not reality. Petraeus, McChrystal, Mad Dog, Mattis, Mark Milley, all have been very quiet these past few days. I'm wondering if Congress will force these men to testify about what they knew and when they knew it in Afghanistan about the ability of Afghan, uh, young Afghan men to fight and hold their own country. Yeah, you better believe, J.D., they're all going to be coming before our, our House Intelligence Committee and they will all be asked those questions. Uh, what I suspect um, is there were a lot of, quote unquote, ghost, so ghost soldiers on the, on the paper. Uh, paperwork that um, the maybe some of the um, people that were involved in the military that were corrupt were accepting payment uh, for each soldier and those soldiers never in fact existed. Um, that's a real possibility. Another possibility is they cut agreements in advance. Uh, once they learned that this uh, um, uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan was real, um, because what you can't teach is willpower. Um, you, you, you can't teach it. You got to have it intrinsically to it and you can't buy it either. Uh, these Taliban fighters are fighting for a cause that they believe in. Uh, they are god-awful creatures and human beings, um, but they are fighting for something that they are willing to give their life for. And we didn't see that same willpower on the other side. And, uh, you know, the people that have been over there, our intelligence community, it's going to be very interesting to hear from them on what, if any, um, uh, advance notice or um, inclination they had that this would, in fact, manifest the way it has. Yeah, only so... Go ahead. Go ahead, Phil. No, I'm sorry. Congressman, we went through this kind of thing in Vietnam. Why don't we ever learn from our mistakes? <clears throat> well, uh, that's a very, very fair question to ask, and we should all be asking that. Um, we've seen it manifest in Vietnam. We, we saw it uh, manifest to some extent uh, in Iraq, uh, in certain regions, uh, and we're seeing it manifest in Afghanistan now. Um, you know, it gets to the point where, you know, when you have these dangerous forces, it gets into that philosophical question that we should all ask ourselves, what is America's role uh, in the world? Uh, when we see oppression, when we see uh, atrocities being occurred, um, what is our obligation to intervene? Certainly there was no dispute uh, that when we were attacked, like we were attacked in 9-11, we had to respond. But then the question becomes, what is that response? What is it? Is it to go, to strike, to kill, and to leave? Um, obviously nation building in that part of the world, Phil, and I know you agree, it doesn't work. Um, it, they just are intrinsically different human beings over there. Um, so, but that doesn't mean that you, you, you abandon completely and abandon recklessly has been done here, which is why I think a limited special ops strike force, two to 3000 people to provide logistic, um, um, uh, support for the Afghan army, just like we have logistical support uh, as a stabilizing force in other parts of the world. Um, and most importantly, you know, China is going to going to now not only are terrorists going to fill this vacuum as they are in Africa, by the way, China is going to fill the vacuum as they are in Africa. And, you know, China is taking full advantage of any vacuum that exists. Um, they are now uh, tacitly acknowledging the Taliban as a legitimate government. <clears throat> They're going to cut deals with them like they have with many con or many countries in Africa to take uh, advantage of their rare earth minerals so they can use it to produce batteries, produce solar panels, just like they want to. A uh, similar reason why they want to take over Taiwan, the world's largest microchip producer. Uh, the, this is a long-term threat of the Communist Chinese Party, which is why I'm doubly worried that not only are we uh, increasing the terror threat, we've actually uh, compounded the, the threat of the Communist Chinese Party. Uh, and moreover, it's the American deterrence effect has taken a hit uh, to our credibility um, around the world. And you know, I don't think you can put the genie back in the bottle when it comes to Afghanistan. These bases are gone right now. 
So what we got to do is, <clears throat> is, is, is reconvene uh, back in the house. We all got to be coming together right now. And that's the important thing. Obviously mission number one is to get all of our people home safely, uh, but we got to figure out how we respond to this because there's no window dressing this. This is an unmitigated disaster of epic proportions. It breaks my heart to think what the long-term consequences are going to be. Congressman, you, you had mentioned Taiwan. Uh, their premier came out today and said he wasn't concerned about, uh, you know, what happened in Afghanistan is going to happen in his country uh, regarding China. Um, and people have drawn parallels between uh, between t Taiwan and, and uh, Afghanistan, but it, it, they're really they're really not the same. Um, you know, <clears throat> Taipei has had 25 years of democratic rule, no internal strife endured its own withdrawal of American troops uh, 40 years ago, 45 years ago, without incident. Um, so I don't know that you can draw parallels. There can be a concern, but I don't think it should be an urgent concern. Uh, Phil, I can promise you that uh, uh, the Communist Chinese Party has their, their sights laser focused on Taiwan and they're waiting for the right moment to take it. Trust me on this. Uh, this has been my biggest, single biggest concern from a foreign affairs standpoint, uh, because that would be devastating on a whole host of levels. But what we have to make sure, and we can't look in the rearview mirror, that we work with the administration to make sure that we stand by our Taiwanese partners. In fact, I'm scheduled, to, and I don't know if I'm going to actually be able to make this trip, but tentatively scheduled to be in Taiwan uh, in October to stand with our Taiwanese partners uh, to, you know, have in a bipartisan manner with my Democrat colleagues on the Intel Committee and have a podium facing directly in the direction of, Ta uh, of China, saying that we are standing uh, with our, our friends and allies here. Um, but you can't deny the fact that our credibility worldwide has taken a little bit of a hit, a, a, a big hit, I should say, uh, with the events that have transpired over this past week. Um, are Afghanistan and Taiwan different? Of course they are. Completely different um, um, topographies, completely different uh, situations on the ground. But Taiwan's not a war zone. Taiwan wasn't involved in attacking us. Um, obviously, that's a different type of risk there. Um, but that doesn't mean that uh, the world isn't questioning at, at this very moment whether America has sustained power to actually stand by our allies. And, and Taiwan is uh, at the top of that list. Congressman Fitzpatrick, thank you for joining us today. And that's all we have. Get our podcast wherever fine podcasts are posted. Read our content online at BucksCountyCourierTimes.com, Intel.com, and BurlingtonCountyTimes.com. Better yet, subscribe. It's a great way to support local journalism and discussions like this one. I'm J.D. Mullane. I'm Phil John Ficaro. For all of us here at the papers, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Especially thanks for reading. Until next week, adios.